This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Sound the gifting panic alarm. We've all been there. You need to find the perfect gift. You have absolutely zero ideas and you don't know where to start. Relax. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift Mode takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. Just answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like, and Gift Mode gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Imagine pages of artisan espresso mugs for the coffee connoisseur in your life. Or for the pickleballer, customized paddle covers in every shade imaginable. Etsy's got you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. This episode is brought to you by Huggies Little Movers. Huggies knows that babies come in all shapes and sizes, and your tushies do too. No matter what kind of butt you've got, you'll feel comfy while your baby's mushy little tushy wiggles and jiggles all around. Get your baby butt in the best-fitting diaper. Huggies Little Movers. We got you, baby. Tonight, with infections of COVID exploding once again nationwide, a stark new warning. A big surge could hit the U.S. if more people don't get vaccinated now. The worst is yet to come. The former head of the FDA says cases of the dangerous Delta variant may not peak until the fall, just as students head back to school. The new push from the White House to get young people vaccinated with help from a pop-singing sensation. Out of control, nearly 70 wildfires now raging across the West. More than a million acres torched, entire towns forced to evacuate. And the new concern, the severe shortage of jet fuel, now making it harder to beat back the flames. First moments of horror, breaking news, the desperate calls to 911 as that condo collapsed in Surfside, Florida. Yes, there's people inside. She's trapped in her apartment. Inexcusable. The FBI admits it failed more than 100 female athletes, including Olympians. How the Bureau ignored warning signs about the top doctor for the USA Gymnastics program. The scathing report out tonight. Drug overdoses on the rise. The stunning increase in just one year. 11 Americans dying every hour in 2020. The dangerous synthetic drug now being blamed for a staggering loss of life. Sticker shock, soaring prices and empty lots. What's behind the nationwide shortage of cars? And stealing the show. He's the youngest all-star MVP and hitting home runs is in his genes. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell. Reporting from the nation's capital. 
Good evening, and thank you for joining us on a very busy Wednesday night. There are several major stories as we come on the air tonight, including those wildfires that are burning out of control out west. And we've got those dramatic calls to 911 in the moments after the condo collapsed in Surfside, Florida. But we're going to begin with the dangerous surge of new COVID cases and the very grim warning from the former head of the FDA that things are only going to get worse. Dr. Scott Gottlieb says at the rate that the highly contagious Delta variant is now spreading, the U.S. could be heading for a new peak of infections. This is just as the school year is starting. New cases are up in nearly every state, mainly among people who are young and not vaccinated. And while the White House says it's pulling out all of the stops to convince people to get their shots, at the same time tonight, some states are pushing back, blocking health officials from promoting the vaccines. CBS's Drinka Duncan is going to lead off our coverage tonight from Tennessee, where the head of that state's vaccine program was just fired. Good evening, Drinka. Good evening to you, Nora. I spoke to the former medical director of the immunizations program tonight uh, here at the Tennessee Department of Health. She called this environment where she used to work toxic and says she stands by her decision to advocate that more children be vaccinated. New data tonight shows the dangerous Delta variant is continuing to spread at an alarming rate, presenting a serious risk to the unvaccinated. That's what we expected, that the peak of this epidemic would really be sometime around the end of September back to school season. Unfortunately, the worst is yet to come. New cases in every state except Arizona and South Dakota are up at least 10 percent. In 32 states, they are up 50 percent or more. And now the focus is turning to young people. Just a quarter of the country's 12 to 15-year-olds are fully vaccinated. And as schools prepare to reopen, health officials worry cases could surge. I have a special guest with me today. Today, the White House hosted pop star Olivia Rodrigo to encourage young people to get vaccinated. And in Tennessee, where just 38 percent of the state's population is fully vaccinated, there is vaccine controversy. I didn't make the law. I don't interpret the law. Dr. Michelle Fiscus says she lost her job as Tennessee's top vaccine official because she passed along information about the mature minor doctrine. So this is out of a Tennessee Supreme Court ruling that concluded that children ages 14 and older, if they felt that they were old enough and mature enough to make the decision, could consent for medical procedures without a parent being present. According to internal emails obtained by the Tennessean, the Tennessee Health Department also declined to order a stop to all county vaccine drives aimed at children. All of this has become so hyper-politicized that we have lost the perspective of the 600,000 people who have died. In a statement to CBS News, the Tennessee Health Department says it, quotes, supports outreach efforts and is simply mindful of how certain tactics could hurt the progress they've made. Nora. All right, Jerika Duncan, thank you. And we're going to turn now to those western wildfires that have torched more than a million acres of land in a dozen states. The crisis is so severe that more than 16,000 firefighters and support personnel are battling nearly 70 wildfires. We get more now from CBS's Lilia Luciano. As fires continue to ravage the West. We need some prayers here. This is getting really serious. What's left behind is heartbreak. In the tiny town of Doyle near Lake Tahoe, at least 33 structures have been destroyed. Just eight months ago, another fire in the same town took 21 homes. 
What struck Doyle this week was California's largest active fire. And tonight, this dramatic video caught by a homeowner as a wall of flames approached. The fire just missed his home. Damage is extensive throughout the West, and it's taking a toll on firefighters. It really doesn't ever end. Zachary Resnick says his hotshot unit used to at least get a break from Thanksgiving to late spring. Now they're on duty nearly year-round. What concerns you the most about the fires right now? The fires are outpacing the resources, period. And it's just a snowballing effect, and it's July. Not even August or September yet, so what are we going to do when we're stretched so thin? And a new concern tonight, U.S. fire officials reporting a shortage of jet fuel. If it persists, that could ground some of the large planes used to drop retardant on fires when they're needed most. As for those on the front lines... It's go, 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 get this thing out and get everybody moving to the next one. We're seeing firefighters move inward from the fire line that you see over here. In some cases, as you can see, they're pumping water from this pond to put out any possible hotspots that could send flying embers to start new fires in dry brush like this. Nora. Lilia Luciano, thank you. And for the first time tonight, we're hearing the desperate calls to 911 made in the harrowing moments after that condo building collapsed in Surfside, Florida. We want to warn you what you're about to hear is heartbreaking. Here's CBS's Manuel Bohorkas. What are you seeing? I can't see nothing but smoke. The 911 call started pouring in after 1.15 the morning of the collapse, each one more urgent than the last, as the scope of the disaster unfolded before people's eyes. There's people yelling, saying they're stuck. Some of the callers were survivors who were trying to make their way out and trying to help neighbors along the way. Yes, but half the building's gone. Okay, are you able to get out through the staircase? No, no, the staircase is closed. In one call, a woman indicates where the first signs of trouble were spotted, the pool deck above the underground garage, which is now a part of the investigation into the collapse. I looked outside and I saw the patio area started sinking down. Yeah, but there are many, many stores of the building that went down, so there will be many, many people there. Okay. Now at the collapse site, the search for victims continues. Tomorrow will mark three weeks since the building came down. Manuel Bohorquez, CBS News, Miami. And there is a scathing report out tonight that blames the FBI for multiple failures to investigate and stop Larry Nassar, the former USA gymnastics doctor who sexually abused female athletes for years. Dozens of additional victims were assaulted while the FBI dragged its feet. CBS's Dr. John LaPook has more on this. I was molested. It was a damning indictment of the country's top law enforcement agency. We were just kids. In the worst sexual abuse scandal in the history of sports. The 109-page report released today by the Department of Justice's Inspector General found the FBI failed to respond to sexual assault allegations against Larry Nasser, the disgraced former doctor for USA Gymnastics, with the urgency the allegations required. The FBI first learned of the accusations at the end of July 2015, but did not open an investigation in Michigan where much of the abuse occurred and where Nasser was still working at Michigan State University until October 2016. Had they done that job, over 100 women at Michigan State wouldn't have had to suffer what they had to suffer. 
The report also concluded that Indianapolis FBI agent Jay Abbott violated FBI policy when he communicated with former USA Gymnastics president Steve Penny about a potential job opportunity with the U.S. Olympic Committee while continuing to discuss the Nasser allegations. These latest revelations came as the current women's gymnastics team is traveling to Japan for the Olympic Games. The 2021 U.S. team includes Olympic gold medalist Simone Biles, who was one of the athletes abused by Nasser. You literally had one job and you couldn't protect us. I just spoke with three elite athletes, Nora, who are among the many women abused by Nasser, and they are still furious. They say they still don't know enough details about who knew what, when did they know it, and what did they do or not do about it. Until there's accountability, they say, this kind of horrific abuse can happen again. Dr. John LaPook, who's been covering this story from the beginning. Thank you, Dr. LaPook. And President Biden went to the Capitol today for a high-stakes meeting with Senate Democrats. The president needs all 50 to support his record $3.5 trillion spending plan for what he calls human infrastructure. CBS's Chris Van Cleve reports from the Capitol. Tonight, President Biden rallying Democrats to back trillions in new spending. We're going to get this done. Mr. Biden received a warm welcome, but there's no guarantee the $3.5 trillion budget package will be embraced by all 50 Democrats. It aims to expand Medicare, provide a path to citizenship, address climate change, and promises tax cuts for most Americans. With no Republican support, Democrats cannot afford to lose a single vote. We know the road ahead is going to be long. There are bumps along the way. How significant is this legislation? This is enormously significant. Budget Chairman Bernie Sanders. I think there is a lot of angst out there. People look at government, they say, you know, the richer get richer, they get tax breaks. Does anybody care about working families? Well, this bill is focused on the needs of working families. But can it get 50 Democratic I votes? Believe it can, yes. With concerns mounting about inflation, the Fed chief today saying it will increase notably in the coming months. Republicans argue the bill will make it worse. To me, that $3.5 trillion that was announced last night really is uh, the, the extreme Democrats' freight train to socialism. And negotiations continue on that $1 trillion bipartisan infrastructure bill. It is seen as a crucial step to passing that separate and larger $3.5 trillion budget bill. And a lot could still change, which is why in a 50-50 Senate, people here on the Hill keep telling us nothing is agreed to until everything is agreed to. Nora. Chris Van Cleve, thank you. And there's breaking news from Los Angeles. Britney Spears broke down in tears at a hearing today over control of her life and fortune. The pop star, who turns 40 this year, sobbed over the phone, accusing her father of being abusive, adding that she intends to press charges against him. Much of her life has been controlled in recent years by her father and a professional conservator. Spears today was granted permission to hire her own attorney. That's a big change. Okay, a new report tonight shows in stark detail how the COVID pandemic has made America's drug crisis far worse. Overdose deaths soared 29% last year to a record high. We get more now from CBS's Jeff Pegues. Traffickers are moving fentanyl and meth in unprecedented amounts along the southern border. The amounts are getting larger and larger. Hard drugs on America's streets are part of the reason overdose deaths soared to a record 93,000 in 2020, mostly driven by fentanyl. There were on average 250 deaths each day, roughly 11 every hour. Experts say the pandemic helped drive up the death toll. 
people having less access to treatment um, and more uh, time spent using substances. And it's, it's led to a really lethal combination. Michael Biello was a personal trainer who previously had addiction issues. Our children are dying and, and no one's helping us. It's, it's frustrating. We're weary. We're tired. Biello's mother says things change when the gym where her son worked closed last year, cutting him off from friends. She found him at home unresponsive and says fentanyl was in his system. How would you describe the pain of losing someone like your son and the way he died? Seeing him in the way that we saw him that morning will forever be embedded in my head. And I'll never be the same. And so I will be his voice for the rest of my life. Today, a group of former senior government officials signed a letter to President Biden calling on the administration to formally designate fentanyl a weapon of mass destruction. Nora. That just gave me the chills. Jeff Begay's. Thank you. We're also following a disturbing story out of Los Angeles tonight. Officers arrested a man who was trying to enter the parking garage of a federal building. The officers say he had a gun and was wearing body armor. When they checked his vehicle, they found multiple loaded firearms and knives, and he was taken into custody. All right, tonight, car buyers and dealers are scrambling from coast to coast. A limited supply of sedans and SUVs is driving prices sky high, and cars are flying off the lots. Here, CBS's Anna Warner. The lot looks full at this Ford dealership in Walnut Creek, California, but general manager Cameron Savarani says most of these cars are used. Just a handful are new. Your stock of new cars is not going to fill this lot, is it? Correct. It's not. Which is amazing. It's, it is. It's definitely something we haven't seen before. Inventories are depleted and demand outpaced supply in the second quarter this year. The primary cause? Shortages of microchips, batteries, and steel. So manufacturers are making fewer cars. Through May this year, Ford's output dropped by 325,000 cars. GM's went down 278,000. And Stellantis, formerly Chrysler, dipped 252,000. Everything's selling fast. And buyers are paying more. Average car prices spiked more than $2,000, up over 7% from a year ago. SUVs cost roughly $3,800 more, up nearly 10%. Dealers are not making the deals that they used to make. Industry analyst Todd Turner. They're becoming basically order takers. Customers are going in, they're waiting for whatever car shows up, and they're rushing in to get it before someone else does. A lot of them are, uh, you know, basically pre-selling, where customers are putting deposits on them before they even get here. Were you surprised? Yeah, I was, you know, because we're thinking, oh, we'll just, we may just take this now. Yeah, you're thinking, I'll just buy this one, right? And they said, what, no? He says, no, that's the only one they have on the lot, and there's 50 people that want to buy the car already. When will the shortage ease? Analysts expect car buying to return to normal at the end of this year, possibly early next year, as more chips are produced and auto manufacturers can replenish their inventories. But whether prices will drop remains to be seen, Nora. Anna Werner, thank you. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more.
Tonight, NFL star Richard Sherman's dance has been charged with burglary domestic violence. Sherman was arrested early this morning outside Seattle with the help of a canine unit after allegedly trying to force his way into the home of his in-laws. Sherman, a former all-pro defensive back, has been honored in the past for his community service. All right, tonight, a Pennsylvania woman is free after more than two months in captivity. Listen to this story. Police say she led them to her captor by leaving notes in public restrooms. The first note revealing an address was left in a Walmart bathroom just last week. Days later, another note was found at a museum. Police executed a search warrant and rescued the woman. The suspect, Corey Brewer, is charged with sexual assault, strangulation, and unlawful restraint. It only happens once a year. The very best in baseball play on the same field. One player stole the show Tuesday night, and you might say he was born for the moment. Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s home run blast in the All-Star game came off his bat at 110 miles per hour. The 468-foot rocket was one of the longest in the game's history. Wow. Your MVP. At 22, the Toronto Blue Jays slugger became the youngest player to take home MVP honors. Junior started his career as a bat boy for his father, Vladimir Guerrero Sr., who also hit a home run in the 2006 All-Star Game. It's gone. One of nine that he played in during his Hall of Fame career. The Guerreros are just the third father and son combo to homer in an All-Star Game, joining Barry and Bobby Bonds and Ken Griffey Jr. and Sr., a perfect swing. Guerrero's two RBIs powered the American League to a 5-2 win. Tomorrow, we've got a story about the alarming surge in cases of a respiratory illness that had largely vanished during the pandemic. A warning for parents about RSV. And if you can't watch us live, don't forget to set your DVR so you can watch us later. That's tonight's edition of the CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Good night. Hi, it's Stephen Colbert, and I'm here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with me, Stephen Colbert, and I'm here with my uh, producer of the podcast, Becca. Hi, Becca. Hi, Stephen. And how long have you been the, the producer of this? We've been doing this for two years now. Okay, and and what is it like to attempt to uh, get feedback from me about the podcast? Be honest about how quickly I respond to emails. You actually respond to emails surprisingly fast. Really? I, I think you might be the only person I respond to. <laughs> I respond to quickly. Oh well, that's good. Yeah. I expected I expected you to lay into me. Well, this was over the strike period. Oh, I had time. Yeah. See, that, that does that doesn't count. <laughs> sure, I responded to everything because responding to you putting reruns up on the podcast was like a form of employment. Yeah. And I felt like I had something to get up for every yeah. day. So thank you for that. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary and it's not boring. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. I'm going to be your financial coach, someone who brings common sense and an insider's perspective on how to manage your money and your emotions. And I promise we are going to have a little bit of fun along the way. 
Have a question from retirement to career changes to college funding? Just send us an email at askjill at jillonmoney.com. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app.